everybody and welcome to the afternoon tune i'm your host josh and i'm doing a interview today uh with the content creator z uh how are you doing there z i'm doing all right and you uh i am doing good i'm glad you're able to uh make it uh today and i'm glad you're able to you know be here and, and talk with me uh that's great thanks for having me um, so if you want to tell a little bit, uh, people about like what you do and, um, like on your platforms and everything like that. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm the mighty Z and, um, basically on uh, Instagram, TikTok, and recently on Twitter, I look into details of representation in different forms of media. Um, I mainly do like comic book stuff, but I also do like anime, um, and a few live action shows too. Um, and my particular focus uh, with my history degree is usually um, in black representation, but I specifically do like, you know, um, black women's representation. But on my Instagram, sometimes I go a little bit further with other groups if, you know, people ask me to look into something. Uh, since a part of my historical degree was looking into, you know, the histories of certain tropes within media. Uh, so... Yeah, mostly just do stuff like that and apply it to current, the mainstream sort of, uh, you know, TV shows, movies, stuff like that. Okay, yeah, and I've seen some of your content. You're on um, Insta I'm the Mighty Z, uh, and Instagram and Twitter and, uh, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, things like that. And I've seen a lot of your content there, exploring a lot of that from a black lens um, with a lot of uh, pop culture things. Um, I know one of the recent things uh, that you've talked about is Velma, the Velma show, with which is created by Mindy Kaling and everything like that, which we reviewed that yesterday. Um, what are some of your thoughts uh, on that? Uh, uh not too many since, you know, I try not to um, give into like the hate watching stuff because I know that doesn't really do much to uh, stop it. But um, from what I have seen from like clips people were able to like show is that um, it's kind of the same thing you see with a lot of Mindy's other work, like um, the show Never Have I Ever, uh, where it's just kind of a lot of the projection of her own kind of self-hatred with race. And it doesn't really do anything that really positively helps anybody um because i feel like when you do something like this as a creator of color when you kind of open up the door to disparaging your own community you kind of give other groups of people the idea that now it's okay to do this because since you're from that community and you approved of it now like that must mean everyone from the community approves of it and so it really just doesn't help uh you know, with like the joking about like Indian food um, in the series and one of the clips, like she has a black woman say that she has like gorilla arms, which no black woman would ever say that towards anybody. Um, <laughs> so it's like it's, it's very. It's, it's definitely a spectacle. And I know I got into some trouble for it before, but I was like, this was on my boondocks post where I basically said, you know, like as a creative color, even if what you're doing is like a satire or a comedy, I don't even like using the word satire anymore because I feel like people kind of abuse it. But I am saying like, you know, you have to be very careful sometimes. Cause like, I know, you know, we're told not to write for the white gaze, 
But at the same time, we do have to remember we're kind of in a fishbowl. So even though we are making something that it might be specifically for us, we still have to be careful in the way that we present it because, you know, sometimes we'll see it and we'll know what that person is talking about. But at the same time, when other people see it, they just kind of take it at face value. And so now they think that this stuff is real or that it's okay. Uh, you just have to be really attentive to these sorts of things. Um, and I don't think a lot of people that do like satire, especially when it comes to racial satire, I don't think they actually do due diligence in that area. Um, so yeah, like even, um, cause I know with Mindy Kaling, you know, you have people now, now calling her like the uh, South Asian Tyler Perry, the South <laughs> Asian like uh, Kenya Barris, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it's funny. I was, yeah, I was gonna bring that up when you're talking about like, you know, being a creator and if so, you're, you know, someone in the marginalized community, you know, writing it, you know, for this kind of bigger audience. I was going to use Kenyon Burris as an example because I know a lot of people talk about him and he's the creator. He does blackish, mixedish. Um, uh, what was the other show? He currently show? has that movie coming out. It's uh, You People. You, okay, You People. Um, I haven't heard about that one, uh, but he does like those. those oh, bi- oh, go ahead. Um, the movie is. Have you ever seen um, Guess Who starring Bernie Mac? And Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, the remake of the Sidney Poitier film. Yeah. Yeah, and that's basically what You People is. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. So basically, Eddie Murphy and Nia Long are playing the parents, and like Lauren London is their daughter, and she's dating um, Jonah Hill. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, So, no, I haven't heard that. So that's interesting. Um, So, yeah, I, I know some people accuse Kenyon Burris of like he writes black shows for white people um you know and things and things like that i know a lot of people say that i mean would you agree with that like some creators you think they kind of do that they kind of just yeah yeah well that's the thing with that how i'm kind of always like iffy with shows that feel like a tutorial guide to these things because i'm like you're just not finding out about this stuff like we should have been way into a deeper conversation by now it's the same way i kind of feel about the boys where it's like it's spoon feeding you things that you should have already known about like no, why do I need to see racism happening? I know what racism is, like, go further with the subject, but they don't. And that's kind of where Kenya Barris really fails as a writer, is that he takes everything at face value, and I feel like that's also his own biases coming in, because even with, like, the episode, because, you know, for a very long time, with Blackish, people were saying, you know, you're calling the show Blackish, but I barely see any Black in the show. Mm. Um... And so then eventually, like, and honestly, I feel like it was out of spite, but he made that color colorism episode. But then he actually doesn't even go into how colorism actually works and how it deeply affects those who are darker skinned. And first of all, like, there's barely any darker skinned people in the show. <laughs> so he just uses, like, the darkest person on the show to convey this. But then they don't take the topic beyond, like, the color of lipstick. Like, mm. If anything, that makes the topic seem like it's trivial because it doesn't go deeper than that. It doesn't talk about like the actual social aspects that affect people. It doesn't talk about the way it affects people's um, abilities to get jobs. It doesn't talk about any of this stuff. And then, you know, he tries to pull like the reverse racism thing where it's like, you know, he has the mixed characters talk about like, oh, well, uh, people are mean to me too because I'm light skinned. Like, no, that's not how colorism works. Uh, so like yeah kenya 
Yeah, it's very annoying with him. Like, I don't think he has the actual, like, capabilities of taking on these topics because, how do I say this? Just being a black person isn't always enough to discuss black issues. If you aren't putting in the work to understand the socio-political climate that we are currently in, then you probably should maybe take a seat down, especially when you are someone who doesn't come from specific backgrounds within the community. Because, you know, like some people are black men and black men might not know the experience of a black woman. Some per- people are light skinned and a light skinned person might not know the experience of a dark skinned person. You know, uh, just these different things like, you know, the if a disabled black person might not, you, you know, see, you see what I mean. Like we, there are different intersections within the community. And so this is something that you really have to ask other people about. And I don't think he does that. I don't think he asks black people of different backgrounds, like, you know, what your experience is. I don't think he's doing the research. Mm. And that's where it all kind of falls apart. It's like you can talk about like the history of Kwanzaa or something like all day. That doesn't. How is that helping what we're currently talking about? Mm. Interesting. Um when you talk about these kind of subjects, when you talk about race, when you talk about politics, obviously these are, you know, uh, hot topics to talk about, and obviously it's going to generate a lot of conversation. Um, do you ever, like, you know, get a lot of hate, you know, from, like, fans of the people that, of the creators you're talking about, or just people in general about the subject matter, or, you know, thing like that? All the time. Uh, I'm kind of used to it at this point. Like, uh, not like I'm, not that it's something like I'm just like, oh, you know, no sweat off my back. But it it it, gets, it does get annoying. But it, it's something I do expect to happen before I even post anything. Like, I just know what's gonna happen because it's like you know, if usually it's either gonna be like, if it's not a racist white person, then I know it's gonna be like a misogynist in the community. It's gonna be colorist in the community. It's just going to be all kinds of different things. I usually have people coming at me from all different spectrums. <laughs> so it, it's it's definitely a lot. And um, yeah, <laughs> but like I said, I have to just, you know, just coast through it because it's what I expect to happen because these aren't conversations that people like to have, especially when it comes to the things that they like because, uh, you know, something that they thought was funny or something like that because it kind of forces them to sit down and rethink that maybe something they liked was bad or that liking that thing makes them bad. Uh, but I have to keep telling people like all the time, you're allowed to critique the things that you like. It doesn't mean you can't like it anymore. It just means that you are analyzing media the way media should be analyzed. Um, this is why like, I really do feel like media literacy is very important, but you know, because uh, even when I do try to address these things, like, uh, you know, like, you know, the boondocks or the boys or stuff like that, people will always hit you, like, with, um, well, it's satire, as if that's, like, some end-all, be-all end of the conversation. Like, no, just because media is a satire doesn't mean that it's not above critique. Mm. All yeah. media is up to criticism. Uh, satire isn't, like, some magical get-out card. Just because it's meant to be a joke doesn't mean that it's good. And it doesn't mean that it handled a topic very well, because, you know, with things like satire, you have to actually be bringing up a point. It has to have a message and a direct meaning. But if I'm not seeing that, then it has failed as a satire. Hmm. 
Yeah. Especially if you are reinforcing the thing that you're supposed to be critiquing. If you're not actually making an actual point or there begins to be contradictions in the things that you're saying, it's not, it's, it's not it's like I, I have a right to call that out. But people, you know, they just want something that they can just like laugh at. And I'm not saying that you can't like enjoy something that, you know, something you can just take your mind off of, something you just like chill and watch. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. I'm just saying there has to be conversations about these specific things. But people really get agitated about that. And, you know, like I said, I just, I'm used to it, but it is what it is, you know, because I don't really make content for people like that. I make content for people who want to learn. Yeah. And I'm going to pull up your Instagram here. And I, I've seen, like I said, I've seen some of your uh, posts and everything like that. And you do make very detailed uh, posts, um, you know, explaining things, explaining the history of things. Um, here's the Mindy Kaling post I was talking about. Um, you also have talked about like uh, black women in comics, um, specifically like I think you had a section about uh, black uh, people as villains. Um, that was yeah. very good. Um, and it's, uh, always very good also to, uh, like I see some of your kind of your stories on IG and you talk about how people sometimes they don't read through the full thing and they kind of maybe just comment. Um, and they, you know, ask questions that are already answered in the post itself. Um, so what's kind of some of the common kind of comments you get, I guess, is it just like, you know what I mean? Stop making everything political or, you know, stop taking everything so serious or, yeah, it's usually going to be like stuff like, oh, it's not that deep. And then they didn't actually look at anything I said because I, I, I can always tell. Or, um, you know, they'll start asking me questions about things that I have like, oh, well, uh, what did you what, what did like? Why did you include this character when you said this? Like if you just read, if you just took the time to read um, and then, you will know, I'll include certain characters with certain things. Like even today, like um, when I was talking um when I was talking, like, well, yesterday, uh, I had included uh, Lena Valerian. Um, when I was talking about, like, you know, these race swapping and how sometimes they'll choose characters who really don't play that big of a role in the overall story. Because, you know, even with, like, the book, you know, she was supposed to have a bigger role, even though she dies. Mm -hmm. But in the actual live action, they cut all of that out. So she gets less screen time and then she dies. And I said, you know, choosing to make that character black comes off as very backhanded when you know what you were going to do with this character as opposed to everybody else. But then, you know, I have like white people in my comments trying to tell me, well, I don't think you don't think anything. <laughs> like, that they, like it, 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 I've, this is a big thing that I've dealt with. It's like people who are not black or people who aren't black women feel very comfortable speaking over me when I tell them that something came off as very offensive or something just came off as very harmful um, to black women. Uh, and it's something that really gets on my nerves because it's like, you don't have an opinion here. Mm. You don't. Like, uh, people have a really hard time with understanding boundaries in specific conversations because there is a time for you to speak and there's a time for you not to speak. And this is not one of those times. Uh, so, yeah, like I have to constantly like, and you know, some people are doing it out of just full on ignorance and ignorance isn't like a bad thing per se, because it's just like they just don't know because nobody ever checked them on it. Hmm. So sometimes like I can respectfully check someone on it. But then other times, you know, some people are just being stupid. So I do have to 
take different measures with certain people. Uh, but no, I, I, a lot of people are surprised by just how much patience I actually have. Because, uh, you know, I do, because, you know, like I said, some people just don't know any better. And some people are just being rude. So I have to really take the time to interact with these people to see where they're coming from and to see how I can detail because some people do need a little extra hand holding <laughs> like yeah like it's hard to say it like this but yeah some people really do because like I've explained like even like the way that I spell white sometimes like you know like for sensor reasons with Instagram I will have to say like white like YT uh-huh. and every day on every post someone will be like what does this mean I'm like kid you please use context clues here uh, do you ever use the YT and people think, oh, are you talking about YouTube people? Do you ever do that? Uh, some people will think YouTube, but they're like, but because, but that's the thing. They can tell context because I'll say YT people when I'm talking about these like racial things and when I'm after I just said black people or something. And so they know it's not YouTube, <laughs> but it's like they're just not the hamster wheel isn't running. Um Cause I'm like, you know, just say it out loud, really fast. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I don't, I, I, I don't, like, I really have to, like, I am, um, cause when I'm doing this, I have to take a lot of time to myself. Cause I have to, you know, like, not everyone learns in the same way I do, yeah. or not everyone understands certain things in the same way I do. So I have to, like, really just take a breather, uh, cause I'm just like, there's no way, there's no way you don't understand <laughs> when I'm saying these things. Like, I've had to explain to people why blackface is bad. Mm. Like, I, I have to explain, like, these very base-level things. Because um, you'd be surprised by just how many people do not know. People have, like, tried to, like, argue me down about, you know, just these things that I thought we all had a basic agreement on. But I guess not. <laughs> uh... Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, how long? So, how long have you been doing uh, content creation? Uh, I started on TikTok during the pandemic, actually. Um, and so after a while on TikTok, that's when I started the Instagram this year. Uh, so I've been on. I started doing content creation on Instagram for about almost a year. Okay. So is the situation like pandemic? You were just kind of bored, and it was just like kind of okay. All right, and you you spoke about so you talk about censorship um, of how you have to you know say certain words on Instagram. Um, so have you kind of run into that problem? TikTok, Instagram, things like that. Like if you you really All have time. to okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been flagged down for hate speech like several times, even though I never even said anything. Um, Cause I'll be like, oh yeah, this thing, it said this about black people in particular. And then it's like, boom, hate speech. Uh, I would get, I would get like comment bans on TikTok a lot. Um, yeah, TikTok gets really sensitive more than anything. Uh, Instagram is a little bit safer, but yeah, I have to be more careful with Instagram because I've had about, now sometimes I do get mass reported. So I have to be twice as careful about what I say in the way I word things because people know that they can easily false flag you if you have like if you talk on specific kind of content so i've had that happen to me before um because like i've even had the same post taken down like twice 
So, yeah, I have to, like, I don't think people really understand how many eggshells I have to walk over because people are like, why can't you just, why can't you just say this? Why can't you just say that? I can't. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it's the same reason why people have to say, like, unalive instead of, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's, you know, so you have to really, yeah, walk around eggshells with certain things with censorship. So, uh, do you do YouTube at all as well? Do you, like, do you upload content there or going to upload content or? I've been asked about YouTube a lot. Like, um, uh, it's something that is still kind of in the works for me, but it's something I have been thinking of because, you know, uh, it's one thing to write it down, but it is stuff that I do like to talk about. And TikTok does not give you the time for that either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it is something I, I used to be able to have like more time to do lives, but it's been kind of a hectic time. But yeah, YouTube is something that I've like really been thinking about. Yeah. I, I think I would love to see your content on YouTube, long form video essays. Um, I would absolutely love that. I think your content would actually uh, benefit from that a lot um, and you would be very good at it. Um, so you spoke about, you know, the race swapping uh, with the character from House of uh, the Dragon um, and to get your opinion on that in general, because you also spoke about with the Velma series. You've spoken about that numerous times on Instagram and everything like that. Um uh, I guess I'm going to ask more of a specific question instead of generally just like, what do you think of race swapping in general? But um, like when you see things like with Little Mermaid or you see things like, uh, what was another big one that just happened? Well, I guess Last of Us, they did a race swap there with Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Um, you know, do you think it can serve a purpose to the story to do that? Or do you think, you know, overall this causes unnecessary maybe issues for the, the cast that gets casted in these roles, that gets, you know, playing these roles? Uh, like, what what is your opinion on, on that in general there? Uh, I touched on this a little bit, but when it comes to, like, things like that, uh, well, one, with the initial race swapping, I don't really care too much because it's, like, it's an, it's an adaptation. So, like, really, if they decide that they want a person of color in the role, then, you know, cool, great. Because, you know, ultimately, it's not going to have any effect on the original source material. So I never understand why people get into, like, this huge, like, rage over it. You know, especially with things like The Little Mermaid, because I'm like, it's a movie for children. Are, are you really going to be in there? I mean, I probably will, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, because it, it's like I've been seeing like a bunch of like these dudes really, really acting like they cared about this like franchise. Like, where you, um, because it's like a, with a lot of a lot of the time they don't care about the character, they don't care about the movie, they don't care about the source material. A lot of times they're just mad because it's just like a person of color, someone who's not white, and they are using this as kind of like their grift or whatever it's called. Because I've been really noticing, as someone who mainly does, like, comic uh, content, that there's been a rise in these very uh, right-leaning, alt-right uh, content creators who don't actually know anything about these works. They don't know anything about comics or, you know, Disney stuff or anything like that. They don't care either. But they'll use things like this because they know younger people are interested in it. So they'll use these topics to essentially create a young audience to manipulate into their, uh, you know, whatever the stuff that they believe in and all that. It's very predatory. 
And, you know, you have to really keep in mind when they do stuff like this, they're actually really easy to call out because most of the things that they point out about it are wrong, especially since they only get their information from like the first lines of different little uh, random articles that aren't even verified. Uh, but yeah, like to circle back is, I think it's cool when I see these things, but at the same time, I do remain critical of them because I will judge them based on if the writers and the producers themselves protect the actor. Because you mentioned the actors, because, you know, yeah, like, cause, like I said before, when these actors get these roles, because they are not white, they're going to get backlash. They're going to have these crazy alt-right people on YouTube making these videos about them, stirring up these hate mobs against them just because they're a person of color. Right. Uh, so I need, so when I see stuff like this happen, I want to know what the actual company thinks. So, cause my thing is if you're staying silent about it, like in the case of like um, Leslie Grace, when Leslie Grace was hired as Batgirl, there was a huge backlash. And then when HBO, well, not HBO, Warner Brothers, when Warner Brothers, you know, pulled the plug on it, Leslie was getting a lot of disgusting comments from those kinds of people. And Warner Brothers refused to say anything. Um, I think their only statement was just like, oh yeah, she was nice. Uh, and then, but they didn't actually say anything about the actual racist backlash that she had been getting for an entire week. Um, and so that, that right there to me told me that they didn't actually care. But, you know, you have people like, you know, uh, Neil Gaiman, when Kirby Howell Baptiste was uh, cast as Death of the Endless in Sandman, mm -hmm. uh, he, he actually took the time to defend her on, online against literally every person coming up at her the creator of the series himself and that means a lot but even um i can't remember the actress's name but she was cast in the role of annabeth chase for the percy jackson series oh that but girl the, yeah the yeah. Little girl. but even yeah because like i'm like she's like 13 14 and she's just got like this immense racist backlash because of it and the creator himself once again had to step forward and defend the casting um and my thing is when at that point, when you have the little word of mouth of the creator, that's when I'm like, okay, well, it's cool for me then. Because if it's something that the creator intended, that's fine. Mm. Uh, but because the rest, you know, with these backlash and these arguments, it's all just kind of just whiny racist looking for something to cry about. And I don't really care about that. So, you know, it's cool with me. Yeah. Uh, but I do know someone actually had told me that with um, The Last of Us, with like the casting of Pedro Pascal, it was just kind of like done because they wanted something that was a bit more representative of like a modern Texas family when you're looking at the actual demographics of that area of Texas. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, even with, because um, I know with uh, Spider-Man, the MCU Spider-Man, people were really like mad about the casting of his friends, but I'm like, have you been to New York? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, majority white schools. Um, it's funny that you you bring up uh the creators coming out and having to to step forward and defend a lot of the situations because a lot of these uh, people talk about like well this isn't what the the vision of the creator that's what they wanted like they'll talk about that with like um J.R. Tolkien when the Rings of Power came out it's like this isn't his vision this isn't what he wanted okay but then you have Neil Gaiman who is the creator of Sandman is going like well this is what I wanted I mean he specifically stated yeah. that I wanted to be as diverse as possible and include all this stuff so and then but they go like oh that doesn't matter then you know what i mean so it's like it's, it's like they pick and 
pick and choose sometimes uh, there and when to ignore the creator and when not to. Um, and in, in terms of, you know, these companies and these corporations, when people say that, um, you know, when people try to say like, well, hey, this is the company stepping in to defend the actors, they go like, well, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, you're defending this corporation. Why are you defending this multi-billion dollar corporation, everything like that? Um, you know, I mean, these companies, they don't care about really i mean they want obviously they want the money i think most people know that um it's just that the actors who are just p doing a job playing the role they don't you know they shouldn't receive all this hate you can criticize the role and criticize if they're bad or not um but it just seems unnecessary to go as far as that and a situation like that was um another kind of example of this is moses ingram when she was in the kenobi series um yeah. and it's funny how they can word it very pacifically you know, um, and even you and McGregor can word it very specifically of saying that if you are a racist person who is sending her DMs, you are not a Star Wars fan. Very specifically, and yeah. people can still misinterpret that. Um, that's well, just yeah, very weird. They constantly move the goalpost. It's like because they just want you to agree with their uh, beliefs. That's all it is. They don't care about the evidence. They don't care about any of that. They just want you to agree with that because they want things to go their way. Uh, so like when you see like an actor come up or you see a creator step up and say, hey, stop being racist, they're gonna be like, oh, well, this person is just pandering. They're just taking the money from this these companies. That's all this is, like, you know, just stuff like that. Like they, they can't really fathom the idea that, oh, well, maybe perhaps other white people aren't racist like me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's kind of, and with the race of women in general, I mean, my, like you said, my kind of opinion on it is got to see how it operates in the show um, and how it works. Um, and I mean, some people see that as a sign of death, you know, for a show, I think. Um, and they'll do the whole like go woke, go broke type of thing uh, when you can look at plenty of examples of, you know what I mean? Obviously that not happening. And you bring up the Sandman series. The Sandman series was hugely successful on Netflix um, in multiple countries. Um, and, you know, there was the big, you know, issue with the casting of death uh, in the series. It was played by Kirby. Um, and she was great. Uh, I mean, she was absolutely fantastic. A lot of people walked away going like, yeah, she was absolutely fantastic in the series. Yeah, and see, with the Sandman, uh, Neil Gaiman said it himself that a lot of people was just like, you know, if you're upset about any of these castings, then you don't act, then you didn't actually read the Sandman because anybody would know that the Endless aren't actually humans and that they can take any form that they want. Like even in the comic, you know, uh, Dream himself had been a black man before. They can take any physical form. So why would race be an issue for you with these things that can literally take any physical form? Yeah. Like, it's it, like, cause it, this is why I'm kind of circling back to that point of like media literacy. Like, are you actually reading these things? Do you actually understand the political politics, the social politics of these things that you're reading until you actually see it in your face? This is why things like metaphors and media sometimes they fall flat because people can sometimes fictionalize things you know, fictionalized, fictionalized real topics until they actually see it in their face. Like if I use like some fake alien race as a euphemism for like racism and stuff, people will be like, okay, that's cool. Um, but if I use like an actual black person, people will be like, no, that's just woke pandering. Mm. Yeah. yeah. People don't actually see it until you show it to them. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it is strange to see some of the reactions to it. I remember, um, and like when you go back, I mean, you being a history man, I mean, you must, 
you know, kind of also go back with the history of race swapping. Like, this isn't anything relatively new. Like, yeah. you know, uh, I remember I watched, uh, it was an honest trailer for Batman 89, and they talked about, uh, they mm -hmm. said, like, in this, it was like, well, this did all the things that all people complain about now. It had a race swap because you had uh, Billy D. Williams as uh, Harvey Dent. Um, it had. Like way more. It, oh, I'm sorry. What you say? I'm sorry. Oh, in that thing, because uh, you know Prince did the score for the film, and they actually wanted Prince to be the Joker. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. And, yeah. Um, Mar I think it was. I, I can't. I can't remember which Wayans is. I think it's Marlon Wayans. There's so many of them. It was either Marlon. I think it was Marlon Wayans, but they wanted him to play Robin. Oh yes, uh, yeah. He talked about that in the interview. He said he yeah. was going to be uh, Robin. Yeah, uh, and he talked about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that is a long history of that that, that them doing that. Um, and then I mean Batman eighty nine, of course, and also with the actor of Michael Keaton. They were like that dude, Michael Keaton, Mister Mom. He got a lot of hate um, for that uh, being the lead role as, as Bruce Wayne as, as Batman. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's not anything relatively new that they're doing. Um, and, and just, yeah, I mean, so it's always a complicated situation with it and, and how they do it. Um, I know a lot of the examples they like to bring up is what if you made Black Panther white? You know what I mean? Like, they like to do that a lot. But then my thing is, too, why is it only considered race swapping when it's a black or brown person? Hmm. Like, what about all these times you had white actors playing people of color? Like, um, uh, Tilda Swinton in uh, Doctor Strange, like, that character that she plays is Tibetan. Hmm. Yeah. Very like, yeah, like why is the white like you know she's a white woman dressed like a full-on Buddhist monk like like you you see like uh and this is something that we see a lot is that they uh, even in sometimes like cases of real life like Angelina Jolie playing um a black woman um I can't remember the name of it I think I, it was like a strong heart or something like that I think brave one was it called if I remember correctly something like that. But yeah, I'm like you've had, we've had like we've seen white actors play people of color in full on biopics, but somehow it's only race swapping when it's a black or brown person. Like we don't. Oh, um, a mighty heart is what it was called. A mighty heart. That's what it is. Yeah, and yeah, Ben Affleck and uh, Argo uh, was uh, probably another example of that. Um, so it's kind of yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, have you so uh, you mentioned about kind of like these other kind of creators out there? Have you brushed up against any of these other creators? You know what I mean? Have you had like back and forths with them much or anything? Or uh, well, I don't want to name names because I don't like to give people attention. Uh, but yeah, some of them. I ran into a few, uh, which, funny enough, it's usually other black creators. But the unfortunate thing is, you know, there's a lot of black creators who are also into, like, the alt-right, left, well, right-leaning stuff, you know, like the anti-SJW, that kind of stuff. Uh, so those are the main people I usually tend to have to go at, and they're usually, uh, you know, men. And a lot of them don't actually even listen to anything that I say. They just kind of have a go at me because they think that I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm a black woman. And sometimes, like I remember this one dude, I had done a video about um, one of the mutants, Bling, uh, from X-Men. Mm. Uh, you know, she's a mutant who's like, you know, entirely just Diamond Stone. Uh, and I had been talking about her and representation with like young black girls in X-Men. And this dude stitches my video. 
and he's like, well, I didn't, I don't actually know anything about this character, but you're wrong. <laughs> like, and then, and then he's like, oh, well, uh, well, do you think these other characters are bad too? And like compares her to the thing, you know, like, you know, um, the thing from a <laughs> Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. And I'm like, so you compared a black teenage girl to a grown man, thus proving my point. <laughs> like, the, they, that's the thing. They always prove my point when they think they're counter-arguing me. Like, but yeah, so I'm just like, what's the point of even arguing with these people if they are going out of their way to not listen to me just because they see... Well, they think that I don't know what I'm talking about because they don't think people like me are actually interested in these sorts of things. Uh, and so, like, I'll have a lot of people then, because what happens is their followers swarm me because uh -huh. they think that, because um, <clears throat> the thing is, some people, they think that when you don't want to argue with someone, then that means that, you know, you're the one who's wrong because you won't give them a chance for an open dialogue, but not everyone deserves an open dialogue. Because hmm. as I said before, some people don't want to listen to you. They just want to exhaust your energy. Right. They kind of get a kick out of, you know, these debates. Because uh, that, like I said, the point isn't to listen to you, it's to try to prove you wrong. So it's not even a dialogue. It's like, like I said, a debate, but the debate doesn't have any evidence. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'll have people like in the comments, like just being purposefully obtuse. Um, another guy, uh, he had gotten on me before because I had discussed an issue of colorism within uh, the Latino community, um, especially when it comes to Afro Latinos and the erasure with that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his followers uh, were literal white white supremacists. Like, some of them were, like, straight-up neo-Nazis. Mm -hmm. um, and he sent them all straight to me. Like, I was getting death threats for about a week. Uh, and, yeah, it's like, you know, that's the thing. They don't care about open dialogues. They just want to attack people. So mm -hmm. I have no problem with, you know, blocking them or not even interacting with them. Because mm -hmm. they don't deserve it. I'm not opening myself up to that when the only thing that you have in mind is to attack me and to get other people riled up against me. Because, um, like, you know, these types of people, they want you off the platform. They don't care about anything that you have to say. They don't want to listen to you. They're not trying to learn. They just want you gone. Like like I said, like, I was getting called racial slurs. Um, this one person had commented, like, oh, well, this is why the black women are the least employed, because they say stupid stuff like this. Hmm. You know, just really, like, vile things. Um have you ever been so, like this was just stuff that I really had to get used to. Yeah. Have you ever been doxxed before at all or? Uh I've never been doxxed, but I did have a certain creator uh who has threatened to dox me and sent very uh threatening emails to my peers. Uh, and I would rather not name him either because this person is a bit of a <clears throat> strain in the black comic community in general i've told people about this person a lot um but yeah like like i said like it, it is very sad when it's coming from your own community right 
but it's something that I just had to kind of get used to because it's like when you are getting into these nerd little nerdy geek spaces like you know like sci-fi comics anime you realize it's very hard as a girl because there's a lot of guys who still think that you don't really belong here hmm. and that if you are talking about these things and that means that you're pretending for male approval which is stupid like um yeah it's like oh well how dare someone like just genuinely be interested in engaging in this subject matter uh but yeah it is something that i had to get used to was like a lot of the misogyny people not really listening to me people not taking me seriously like sometimes like it took my mutuals who were men speaking up for me in order for them to actually listen like i've had my own male peers basically have to repeat the things that i've said and then people were like oh well you make a good point mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and that can be really like annoying too because it's like you know um i do appreciate now i do i do appreciate them stepping up for me in these situations because these situations can be really scary when you're on your own mm. but at the same time it is very frustrating when people will only listen to you when you uh look a certain way or you come from a specific background like you know people will take them seriously, even though we basically said the same thing. I've had peers who have the same qualifications as I do be taken more seriously than me just because they're men. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that comes back to your point, of, you know, you're speaking about intersectionality of like, you know, you have the big broader, you know what I mean, nerd kind of geek space. And then, you know, obviously, uh, then you have black nerd kind of geek space. And then even the division that's there, um, of talking about the different certain issues, um, you know, being, like you said, it can be kind of sometimes scary, you know, being a creator, you know, receiving kind of a lot of hate, um, you know, so who are some people that, you know, maybe when you were kind of coming up as a content creator that you looked at and you really liked what they did and and you really appreciated them? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually really close to some of these people now. I've met a lot of good friends on here as well. <laughs> uh, one that was like really cool was it's Zephy. Um, well, yeah, it's Zephyr on here. Uh, it's me and Zephyr got really close over a while and he was just really chill person one of the chillest people i've met from tiktok uh and he really helped me kind of navigate the space and understand like you know who and who not to talk to uh how to do certain things how to network stuff like that um and i really do appreciate that because it's very rare <laughs> that you find someone who's like just genuinely a nice person uh and you know people like fantastic frankie um it was nice like you know meeting other black women who are into these spaces as well. Uh, you know, the Blurred Girl, she's really nice. Uh, she also has written for Marvel too. Like she's done like a um, a guide for the Dora Milaje, which I always think is like really cool. Uh, seeing creators who end up getting to be writers too, especially as someone who also wants to get into writing. Uh, you know, these are people that I do really look up to. You know, mm -hmm. just like really being able to like see it in full action because like they've been doing this a lot longer than i have so it's always just nice to know that there are people who are also in my corner and who also talk about these same things as me um because i like having more of that feeling of a community more than anything yeah so i yeah like i i, I do like really look up to that and just you see that you know like you know, like in seeing like like seeing a success story you know 
Yeah. Um, and how many? I'm gonna pull up your TikTok. Uh, you have uh, how many followers again? Like fifty thousand or? I think it's like forty something. Forty something. Okay. Yeah. So you do have a really big platform there. Um, on TikTok, very successful there. Uh, was very much appreciated. Um, you know, you speak about you know you kind of want to be a writer. Is that some of your interests to maybe transition? Do you do a lot of writing now? Uh, uh yeah, I'm currently writing. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I've never posted. I've never posted anything, but it is something that I have been doing, and it's something that I've been, you know, more like leaning into thinking about getting into like well, like like fictional writing, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I, that'd be pretty amazing. Um, and I want to ask you a question about like, what do you like? Where do you see representation and uh, like kind of the place of black creators or just creators who are uh from marginalized communities where do you kind of see things now in, in, ter- in like in terms of media like do you think it's at a good place do you think it does need a heavy improvement like you know what are kind of some of your thoughts there i feel like we've just kind of like broken the ceiling <laughs> like we're kind of like getting to the space where we're finally seeing and i think that's actually why there's a lot of pushback now is because we're just now getting it all at the same time like it's all happening like kind of right now that we're actually starting to see more of these actors and more of these characters of color and so now people are, like freaking out like oh they're taking over because it's like no we're just now getting to this point where we're actually being included uh so then you get to the point where it's like now we have to get to the part where the writing is good <laughs> um so, uh but yeah we actually really are getting there though because i've been seeing so many works that have just been really nice like you know besides like things like you know black panther uh miss marvel uh not even outside of like marvel like you know there's been movies like uh wendell and wild hmm. which it was really a really good step in the right direction and i really liked it um uh, movies like uh darby and the dead uh you know just really being able to see like like not like multiple genres of things like young adult uh horror animation things like that and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing even more of it in the near future. Like, you know, with Moon Girl getting a animated series coming up in, I think, February. Mm, yeah, yeah, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Uh, so, yeah, it's been... It, and I really think it's going to be a very exciting time to see all of this stuff, like, really coming into play. Um, and I really do hope that even, like, especially with animation, that we also begin to see more of that. Uh, books, even movies... It's very, very exciting. And then uh, I think there's another Black Disney princess who's about to be released. I don't know when the date is, but I know that one is in the works as well. Oh, Um, yeah. Uh, What was the name of that? It's going to be called Toon? Wish. 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 Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see if all the people that complained about original Black characters when they were talking about Little Mermaid shows up for Wish. Let's see. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's like they complain about these things, like, oh, well, we want original this and we want original that, but then, like, we'll have an original release or something, and then all of a sudden it's crickets. Yeah. yeah it's so. Like, where were you before? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. um, so this is your TikTok right here. So you're at, yeah, 41K, uh, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, a lot of talk about subjects there. Um, do you have any favorite, uh, creators like from film, television, writers, directors, um, anything like that? Th- people who you think really get it right when it comes to, uh, representation in media? Uh, 
so far I've uh, you know like with like comics and stuff, I've been really liking the writing of Evil Ewing, um, Shan. Well, like, cause there's like a really like small group of black women who are actually like in like the comic writing area, um, especially for like big companies like DC and Marvel. Uh, Evel Ewing has been doing a lot of cool work with characters like Ironheart. Um, and so I've been really liking that, you know, people like Roxanne Gay, she did, a, um, she did um, some work with uh, the Wakanda series. It was canceled a little while ago, but she's been doing a lot. I really like her writing. Uh, N.K. Jemisin actually wrote for DC not too long ago with a Green Lantern far sector uh, with a Green Lantern, you know, Sojourner Mullane, mm-hmm. who has been like, who has just quickly become a very iconic character. Um, so it's really like cool to see that now, because when you're thinking about like the actual comic writing space, there's not really a lot of representation in the writer's room. Hmm. And even in the artist room, you still, you're not seeing a lot still. So I do like seeing more of it. Uh, and like, you know, with things like TV series and stuff, I'm, I believe actually the, director for the marvels is also a black woman which is really cool i haven't seen any of her passports just yet but I'm um into let it. me just start by saying that uh, oh, this passport on, Bro some, series is one of playing. the i'm sorry about that um um didn't she i think she's from the director she did the Candyman reboot right uh, Yeah. okay did you get a chance to see that the Candyman reboot yeah i saw the Candyman reboot and what would you yeah, yeah. i oh. think it was an interesting take. I, it doesn't have that same cr- vintage spookiness to it because I think it's hard to take something that's Southern Gothic and then try to put it in an urban area. Mm. Uh, uh, I feel like when it comes to Southern stuff, you have it, it, it's its own particular area of creepy. Yeah. Um, and the director was Nia DaCosta, so she's going to be doing the Marvels uh, there yeah. coming up. Um, so you like her? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, like yeah, I think she. I, I okay. I I could definitely. Oh, that's definitely going to be exciting then. Um, but you know, I've been, I've just been really excited about the Marvels. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a few more. Uh, like there's still like I think there's still a lot to be done when it comes to writers' rooms for shows. Uh. But although I will say, like, with people like Neil Gaiman, uh, who is a Jewish creator, I do think that he's one of those few people who actually ask people of color about representation. Because outside of his work with The Sandman, he's done a plenty of a lot of other works. And anything that he does, if it involves, like, another culture or anything like that, he at least will actually explore into that. And he'll actually engage with the people from these backgrounds to get a better understanding and make it so that it can be more accurate and that it is actually positive representation. And you'd actually be surprised how many writers do not do this. They don't ask people about how they would like to be represented. They don't actually get involved with the culture. They don't study the culture. They don't do anything. They just kind of will include it. And then just write based off of their own knowledge and personal biases. And there's so much room for error with that. Because uh, I, I feel like the, the, the even the act of having a sensitivity reader is still a very eased in thing that's just now kind of people are more talking about now. 
Uh, but even then, it's like sometimes their sensitive their sensitivity readers will be other white people. So it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. kind of like, like it's it's very interesting. But um, uh, and I do like I think it would also be interesting to see um, Ta-Nehisi Coates come back for writing with Marvel. I was a little sad that his Black Panther series kind of got cut short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he actually has done some a pretty good job with certain things. Um. Yeah, I really do. I find it very interesting when they get screenwriters and stuff and like, you know, book writers. Because, you know, sometimes books and movies, they can be a little different style wise right. comics. So it can be a very different transition. It is interesting seeing a lot of that going on. But at some point, I think I would like to see more black writers being able to write for black heroes in comics because it's just not something you see a lot of mm. <laughs> which you know you would think you would think but no no um, <laughs> even with other characters of color like no it's like the writer's usually going to be a white dude <laughs> um yeah. but it, and it's it can be a little sad sometimes especially as someone who does want to write comics myself uh but you know these things do kind of take time to like really push in there and get into um and just being able to write comics beyond just like a random alternate earth or just a small mini series, like actually being able to have something that gets to be impactful. Cause I think that matters a lot. Like just hiring a black writer to write the black history month anthology doesn't count. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I know sometimes in, you all have like fiascos that happen in comics, even if it is someone, you know what I mean, who, uh, you know, maybe is a part of a marginalized community writing for, uh, you know, a character. Cause I know the big one that, that kind of happened recently. Well, not very recently. I'm sorry. What do you say? A big one would be recent for me was John Ridley. Oh, what did he do? Everything. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, John Ridley, he is, um, He's a black screenwriter. He's done work with like a. He did like Twelve Years a Slave, uh-huh. and he also has done uh, the film Gorilla, which is basically like a biopic about the Black Panther movement in the UK, which I did my master's thesis on. Uh, <laughs> um, wasn't too pleased with that because uh, basically he kind of had this. He's one of those. He's basically like another version of Kenya Barris, where he doesn't really focus on black women too much in his writing because even with gorilla black women were a huge part of the brixton black panthers but he makes the main woman in that series asian and his reasoning for this was that his wife is asian Mm. it's like what does that have to do with the no um so now recently john ridley has been writing for both uh you know, he's done with work with Marvel, with like, you know, Black Panther, Cap- Captain America. Uh, he's been doing a lot with the Avengers and stuff in general. And then he's also been doing um, work with the, the Batman Future State with, the you know, the character Jace Fox. Mm-hmm. And it's been like a calamity. Because with John Ridley, it's like, you know, he has this very different version of Captain America. Um, and Captain America is one of those characters that you really have to be careful with. It's same with Superman, really. Is that sometimes people end up with these warped views of these characters. They make them what they see them as and not what they actually are. So with him, it's like his Captain America is like this very more, uh, 
like this very violent kind of more so representation of white America versus what he actually is. So then we just end up with this panel of him literally beating the crap out of Black Panther for no reason. Oh, that's yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> and he just takes it like literally. Like I'm like, what? What can we learn here? What? Why? Why? Why did this happen? Um, so it's like, and mind you, Black Panther in this current run of everything that's been going on, because you know it's a big Marvel event going on right now with um, the Avengers and the X Men and Krakoa and all these different, and like the Eternals and all this different thing going on right now. And Black Panther has just been really been getting into like he's been like beaten up by everybody. He's been exiled out of his own kingdom. It's just been a mess. See. And the thing with John Ridley is that everything that Ta-Nehisi Coates had built up with T'Challa's character, he just tore all of that down. <laughs> like all the motivation, all like the character development, it's gone. And mm. I'm like, why? <laughs> because he has this kind of thing with like suffering in general. Like I, I don't want to see that. Mm. Um, and even with um, his run for Batman, it kind of feels like copaganda. Like he doesn't. I don't know. His criticism of the cops is like, oh, like you know, like the um, oh, well, I don't think they're all bad. I think that we can just get in there and make things better. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Because um, the character Renee Montoya who is, uh, she was the question, her character left the force because she saw the corruption, but he in all his ever-present wisdom was like, I'm going to have her go back to the force. <laughs> mm. what? Wow. Uh, so it's like, it, it's very weird with that. And then, you know, with the character Jace Fox, Jace was actually a kind of defunct character for a very long time because originally uh, the character Lucius Fox had four children mm. and then they were like, then he kind of went out of canon for a while, so then it was just three. But Future State brought him back into canon. But he is one of the children of Lucius Fox. But the thing is, now that John Ridley is writing, he has it so that uh, Lucius, well, Luke, well, Luke, there's so many of them, goodness gracious. Jace Fox is not actually the son of Lucius and Tanya. Now he's like the child of the affair that Lucius had with his Asian co worker. Mm. Wow. So I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What? Can you please stop inserting your wife into everything you write? What the? Okay. That's. So I'm like, this doesn't <laughs> add anything to the plot. What did this add to the plot? So yeah, um, so now Jace, I guess, is Blasian now. <laughs> uh, even though that was never. It, he looks like everybody else. He looks just like Luke. Like, I don't, I don't know. So yeah that happened and then they have it to where oh well we took you from your biological mother and tried to pass you off as just ours so that nobody would know about the affair like what is where did this melodrama come from <laughs> huh. that that like, does seem so very it, weird yeah it's very weird and so now like even with uh the character uh tiffany tiffany fox who was a batgirl in batgirl's future's end which is an alternate future but a lot of people really like her version of batgirl because it's just kind of a it kind of opposes what you would expect, like, you know, a bad girl who's literally dressed in, like, full-on pink in Gotham, uh, which is what I really like, because I think it's kind of a unique take on it. But with his version of Tiffany, who is literally, like, 11 at best, uh, now she's, like, some random street ninja, 
in probably like I, and I know it's like a beginner costume, but it's like the worst red and green jumper I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, this is a major downgrade for her character. Mind you, like I said, she's a little girl. But now it's like she's kind of like this snippy, wisecracking character. Even though this was not her original character, like this character was always very cutesy, happy-go-lucky, uh, very witty, things like that. But now it's like, so yeah. And then he makes Tanya, Lucius's wife, this very bitter person. And like she's like, you know, just not very kind. Even though Tanya has always been a very loving mother. And even with the other sister, Tam Fox, Tam Fox has a very long issue with DC because DC doesn't actually care about this character. They really kind of set her up as being something that could be have potential. But then they have this random other story where she gets thrown in a trunk and, uh, you know, put into a drug-induced coma. And so then in Future State, she has to go back to the hospital because she goes back in the coma. Now she's out of the coma. And now she's kind of left with a lot of this trauma. And John Ridley has said that he'll touch on it more, but it hasn't happened just yet. So I can't say too much on that. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe you could just not include that storyline. Hmm. You literally have the power to retcon things and then you don't. <laughs> like, we didn't need that. It was done out of, there was no, there was nothing, there was no, we didn't need it. We didn't need it. Um, so it's just been kind of a mess with that. I actually have this uh, running joke with my followers and mutuals uh, where I can actually catalog the amounts of times a black female character's story has ended in either death, being completely forgotten by the writers, or a literal coma. Mm. <laughs> I actually have like multiple characters <laughs> for each catalog. Huh. Um, so, I mean, speaking about that, I mean... What do you, I mean, uh, just recently, I guess in the past, if you want to limit it to like the past five years or so, who do you think are some great examples of some good, like black characters or other characters of, you know, uh, like from marginalized communities that you've seen in media, you know what I mean, in comics or in TV or in movies um, that you think are really good? Uh, ones that I think are really good. See, I'm just such a bearer of bad news. Because <laughs> um, for me, it's like, I think I've analyzed media so much that now it's like kind of an algorithm in my head where it feels like as soon as I start to see certain similarities, I kind of already know where a character's story is going to go. And it's like, it, it's taking the fun out of me. <laughs> uh, like, but no, uh, see, see, this is what I have to really think of. Uh, but so far, I think what I've really liked to see is characters like you know moon girl and devil dinosaur because it's like it's very rare you get to see a black child hero who actually gets to be a child mm. and not like some uh completely adultified caricature so i think moon girl has been a really good step in the right direction and it's also one of the few comics that is really like safe for kids because i feel like kids have really been pushed out of the media that was meant for them in the to begin with because even a lot of writers like you know brian michael bendis they'll say that children don't make for good stories so what they do is even though a kid's like 10 11 years old they'll just age them up to be an adult because they don't want to write anything about kids and i don't really think that's fair because it's like 
who, what are heroes for? Because hmm. I'm like, you know, it, everything can be like for like, you know, all audiences, but comics were originally made for kids and it's not really fair to push them out. So uh, I do really appreciate that because it's like, I like being able to see kids who are able to get into comics just by seeing other child heroes that look like them too. Right. Uh, so I'm like that's why I'm also excited about the cartoon coming out. That's gonna be really, uh, really something. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm really happy about that. And then also, um, like I mentioned it before, but like Wendell and Wild. Mm. I think Wendell and Wild is a really cool thing because we don't really see a lot of uh, alternative fashion with black characters in general. Um, because this is something I talk about a lot. But sometimes when you see like, you know, like character archetypes, like in shows where it's like, you know, like, like the strong guy, the nerdy guy, the preppy kid, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You don't really see black characters put into these specific spaces. It's like black becomes their personality. Mm. So it's like, oh, the nerdy guy, the preppy guy. Oh, and the black, the black guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, your blackness becomes your personality like just being like black right so it is cool when i actually see people who go a little further in the designs and just the overall motivations and interest of black characters because i i don't think people really understand that black people like things mm. yeah. <laughs> like yeah, this is, it's not a weird thing to say out loud but yeah i don't think they understand that like we like stuff yeah like you see like uh, black cosplayers and they'll be like Mm. <laughs> that's weird <laughs> uh like like different fashions and stuff people are always like okay that's cool but like shouldn't you be doing black things like what are black things <laughs> right yeah i did appreciate the movie yeah. for that if you see wendell and wild like the girls dressed in very like alt you know alt rock punk rock type of style you know goth a little bit type of style uh let me pull up a little bit of a picture here so i thought that was very nice uh that they kind of did that and that was a, a jordan peele uh production there uh that he did and the director of that movie was the director who did Coraline. um that is there so i'll pull up a picture here henry yep henry selick yeah so let me pull up a picture there um, so yeah, that was kind of nice. Before Christmas, but he didn't get the credit. <laughs> yeah, everybody just thinks Nightmare Before Christmas. People always say it was Tim Burton. Uh, yeah, and people pretty much—I mean, people think this is a Jordan Peele movie, even though, yeah, I guess because his name is all over it too. So I guess Henry Selick just has a reputation for being on projects and then not getting the credit for it. Uh, uh, that's just his legacy, I guess, in movies. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, your name is the Mighty Z. So, is that does that come from My Hero Academia? The Mighty Z. <laughs> uh, no, actually. Um, yeah, no. Which is like kind of a. It was a little while ago. It, I, I just thought it found. I, th I just thought it sounded like a fun, like a little zingy hero name. Okay. All right. Um. I mean, since you, I mean, I assume you probably consume a, a lot of content. I mean, what are you, what are you reading? What are you like watching that you like? Um, you know, some maybe movies, shows, comic books, you know, anything like that? Like, you know, what are you really liking right now in terms of? Uh, well, I did get to Stargirl, which unfortunately got plugged. Okay, well, here's the thing. I've always been a huge DC fan. I think Marvel was something I got into a little later in life like outside of stuff like x-men and spider-man uh 
but no, like I was always like a really big DC person. And so right now navigating stuff has been a nightmare because you know, the building is on fire as we speak. Uh, <laughs> they've just been rebooting everything. Everything's been getting canceled left and right. I don't know what's staying and what's going. Uh, but no, as soon as I got into Stargirl, it gets canceled. So I'm like, okay, fine. It's cool. It's whatever. <laughs> but yeah, like I really like Stargirl because it's like it was nice to see them kind of really taking on DC characters that not a lot of people talk about. Because who really talks about the JSA? Not a lot of people. Yeah. Did you like their appearance in Black Adam or? Uh, I thought that was really cool too. Um, with Black Adam, it's kind of sad that things have to go down the way they did. Um, because I did really appreciate a lot of the characters that they introduced in here. Like it was nice seeing like their iteration of Cyclone and Hawkman. And uh, yeah, and even like Doctor Fate's actor was like really good. I feel like it had so much potential if it if it was just a different time, a different place. But, you know, uh, it is what it is now because everything's getting rebooted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know what's going like I said, I don't know what's going on anymore um, with that. But I am kind of looking forward to the Shazam movie because I've been waiting for that for a while because I actually really like the first Shazam. Hmm. Although hmm. not a lot of. See, that's the thing. Not a lot of people are looking forward to Shazam because people, we have entered this very weird nexus in which people only want to see hero content that's like cynical and edgy and hypercritical of like the standard superhero stuff, which I think is stupid because it's like, what's the point of a superhero if they're not a hero? Because, mm. like, you know, like, I mean, I, I'm fine with stuff like Invincible and all that, but when it comes to like things like, uh, you know, like the boys yeah. and other stuff. It's like, okay, that's fine, but like, I don't get anything from this because at the end of the day, I don't care about superheroes being bad guys because that's not what superheroes are. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it gets very annoying to see, but I'm like, I want to see like fun stuff. Like I said, Shazam was great because you got to see like these different kinds of kids who are literally navigating just getting powers and it doesn't take itself seriously. Um, so I'm really excited for the sequel and like, you know, Blue Beetle's coming too. I was really, I'm yeah. really excited about Blue Beetle because um, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, the show Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, I know a lot of people really skimmed over it because it has like a very, uh, it, it's very camp Yeah, because it touches on a lot of like the old school stuff. But I really enjoy Batman Brave and the Bold because it introduces you to a lot of characters that usually don't get a lot of shine in the DC universe. So it's going to be nice to see a lot more of that uh um saying what else like i usually keep up with because <laughs> there's honestly so much because it's like with marvel too like it they don't really give you a lot of time to catch your breath because everything just keeps coming out back to back so i've been trying to keep up with everything um i actually really like black panther too um wakanda forever i think it was a really Apparently, this is a controversial thing to say, but I think it was a really great movie, and I think they handled the situation regarding, you know, T'Challa very well. I think they did the best they could with what they could without, you know, re-traumatizing the cast themselves. Because I think people aren't really thinking about the fact that these actors were the people who actually got to know him, 
and we work with him and we're his friends. So I don't think people were taking the actor's feelings into consideration regarding that. Uh, did you? Uh, uh, so I really do. Think, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just—I was gonna—I just had a funny aside. Did you see the whole thing with Angela Bassett's son? Did you see that? That was. Yeah. Um, see, this is why I try to ignore TikTok trends because I'm like, sir, you already know what happened with, you know, Chadwick Boseman. Why would you joke about that? <laughs> wow. And I'm sure they sat him down because you know he did apologize and his and his apology was genuine. And I think this was just kind of like that matter of like him just doing stupid kid stuff. But it's like yeah, like I don't think people really take it seriously, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like you know people are like because you know like I during the release of the film it was just like you know like the recast T'Challa stuff. But I'm like, are you actually talking about the fact that Chadwick Boseman was a real person and he mattered a lot to people and he mattered a lot to the cast? Mm. Yeah. I don't think people really like talk about that. Um, but no, I think the film was done really well. And I I'll honestly say I think it was the most thought provoking film to come out of the MCU. And it touched on some really heavy subject matter in a really, really in-depth way that I don't think a lot of people really understood, even though they were physically throwing it at you, but I don't think a lot of people touched on it because when I touched on it, I had people literally jumping down my throat, ready to fight me, but it's like, because like, all I said was, all I said was, uh, Namor is an antagonist and he is canonically an anti-hero, but in this movie, he's not the villain. Because I'm like, if you think he's the villain of this film, then you miss the point of the film. Mm. Yeah. I'm like, and if like you see that only, and, I, and if you see only his actions as wrong, then you're still not really getting the point. Because I even said like, I said that Queen Ramonda made very interesting choices that put Wakanda at risk. Because I said that this is a film that talks about how things like colonization or even like neo-colonization, it kind of puts us as marginalized people in these moments of emotional strain where you don't really know what's going on. You don't have time to think. And so you're just acting out of raw emotion and this can lead to chaos. And it also leads to people, well, marginalized people turning on each other instead of the thing that's actually harming them. And this was a, pretty good representation of that in the film because I'm like you know Queen Ramonda like I'm gonna like Namor didn't just like pop up and start blasting people uh Ramonda had a hand in this as well because you know she as mind you she was making right choices as a mother but she wasn't thinking as a ruler because when he said okay you know if you come in here and you do something that's not gonna be good for you because then I'll do something back but she did and, you know, like I said, she was concerned about her daughter. She just lost her son. She's very emotional. Mm -hmm. But as a ruler, this is a bit of a gamble because now you are setting your kingdom up for war. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people did not like to hear that because they're used to thinking of these films and like, you know, bad guy, good guy, black, white, good, bad. Right. But I'm like, no, this film is so much more than that. There are so many more layers to that. Even where like the part with Nakia when Nakia straight up guns down that one Talakun girl, mm -hmm. like she killed her. 
Like we like Shuri tried to save that girl, and she's like, no, it was a lethal blast. Hmm. And I'm like, y'all, she she's they they straight up shed first blood. Hmm. And you're not saying that Wakanda had any hand in this, like, because I'm just saying you have to really look at it. Because people, since, you know, Wakanda is the people that we're kind of used to looking at, you kind of set up with a bias. You have an established bias now. So you're not thinking about it from the other perspective. But when you don't look at it from any perspective, it's just like, okay, you see what's going on on both sides. And, you know, Namor, like, of course, he did a lot of wrong because he's trying to get rid of Riri. Because, but Riri, like, you know, she's a young girl. Like, she didn't have, she didn't intend for any of this stuff to happen. It's just that the government screwed her over uh, but now she's become a very big political pawn. But Namor, for her, she is a what she created is a direct threat to his kingdom because we already know what the governments are trying to do to Wakanda. So they're definitely going to do that to Talakan if they if, if they find it. And we know this because uh, freaking uh, Valentina is already aware of all of these things, and it's the the gears are in motion because we already see. That she knows what's up, and that's why, like, they're about to form the Thunderbolts. So they're coming regardless. The governments of the world are coming to them regardless. So there's gonna stuff is gonna go down. Like, war is inevitable, but Wakanda seems trying to kind of delay it. But Namor actually wants to, not necessarily hide from it, but he wants to. He, he wants to defend his people in any way that he can because he knows what they're looking for. So I, and even in the scene, the final fight scene between Shuri and Namor, they show you a full flashback of Shuri comparing just how similar Wakanda is to Talakan and how these are both people who want to protect what they have and what they hold dear. She is basically comparing, visually comparing that they are just like each other. That's literally the reason why she lets him live. Because I saw so many people saying how she should have killed him. And I'm like, if you're saying that she should have killed him, then you missed the point. Hmm. You missed the point of the whole movie. Like, it's... I don't, I don't know. It's like, I'm very... Yeah. I'm one of those people who is very anti-kill when it comes to heroes. Because I know so many people nowadays are saying, like, oh, heroes should be able to kill. But I'm like, then you missed the point. You're missing the point of everything. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, it's it's very weird when people like media literacy. I don't know if it's getting worse or if it's it's always been maybe this a little off with some people. I I don't know. It seems a little like I don't know. I mean, I saw one comment about puss in boots of somebody said that there's no meaning to puss in boots. So, like I don't know how you don't get the meaning of a of a kids movie, but uh, it seems interesting to me. Like the meaning, the meaning was right there though. Yeah, like, I, you know, the physical manifestation of death. Is following him, and you're not getting. Like, yeah, I, that's a that's a meaning. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I yeah, people are yeah. Sometimes people are weird like that. Um, well, like you really have to think about things just beyond what you see. Uh, just a I'm little. Like, I'm so glad. I'm like, I'm just sitting here like I'm so glad I did not read like Animal Farm with any of you people. <laughs> uh, just a little bit of extra thought sometimes people just a little bit of extra thought um, is sometimes required with something um, so what's next what are you going to be talking about next uh, sometimes these things just kind of hit me <laughs> uh, I'll just show and then I'll see something go down I'm like, oh, I think I have two cents for this 
So yeah, it's just been like things I'm currently looking at. Uh, sometimes I'll see what people are talking about sometimes and like I'll look around. Um, yeah, these things just like really like, it's kind of like, sometimes I write these things full out of the spirit of the moment. Mm. But there's a lot going on, a lot going on with like different shows and things coming out now. Um, but I also do try to be uplifting. Like I try to look for new stuff that's coming out because I'm like, okay, like, because uh, I do firmly believe like when there's positive representation, when we should support it. So like I do my best to also like find these things and actually like bring some attention to them. Because, mm. uh, you know, not everything gets properly marketed the way that it should. Because, uh, you know, there'll be like movies and stuff coming out that seem really promising, but then you don't see any marketing for it. Mm. Yeah. Like some things I just found out they came out like not long ago. Like, uh, what was that Disney movie? Uh, Turning... Strange World? Oh, Strange World. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I didn't even know that thing. I think it's number. I think when it premiered on Disney Plus, it, it was like number one for a while uh, when it premiered on Disney Plus. Yeah, but that when it came out in theaters, bombed. Yeah, they didn't actually. Yeah, they didn't actually like because they didn't market it. It was just kind of there. Nobody even knew it came out. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And I. I think now that I don't know if it was a situation of the CEO at the time because the CEO at the time, uh, Bob Chapik. Uh, um, really yeah. doesn't believe in animation or doesn't care about animation all that much, but then they replaced him and brought back Bob Iger, so I don't know if that would be a different um, uh, situation with the animation and everything like that. But, uh, yeah. Um, do you think, uh, one more question before we head out of here, do you think people are more comfortable with race swaps if the person's playing the villain instead of, like, the hero, you think? Yeah, all the time. Because uh, I've noticed, uh, even with The Little Mermaid, because when the when the live production came out, Ali'i Cavalho was playing Ariel. Nobody said a word. Ali'i is Pacific Islander. Mm. Nobody said Jack. But, because, you know, they were cool with that. Because, you know. But, because, you know, like, you know, when someone... Because this is why I talk about colorism, too. Because I'm like, sometimes, like, like, when it comes to, like, lighter skin and stuff like that, people won't say anything because they see it as acceptable. But with Hallie, Hallie is a very visibly black girl. So this is where you start to see that pushback. But when Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah was playing the role of Ursula and nobody was crying about blackwashing and racially erasure and stuff back then. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, it's cool when it's the evil witch, but not when it's the actual princess. Yeah, people are cool with it when that happens. Like, they won't say a word. Like, the, even, um, what was it? Uh, freaking. And honestly, sometimes, like, even with, uh, what was it? What was it? Was it Michael Clark Duncan? Oh, Kingpin? He played, um, Kingpin. Yeah, a lot of people were just like, eh. I didn't really see too much on that. Like, a lot of people, I've seen people, like, literally praise that role. Hmm. Like, nobody said really anything. Like, I think. It's a lot. It's a very. It's a lot easier to pass off one as a villain. Cause even now, like I saw people like trying to like fan cast Giancarlo Esposito as Magneto. Hmm. And I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> like it, I don't know. It's like um, this is a really big thing. I see a lot of like people are usually cool with seeing us in like villainized roles because that's just kind of what we tend to be offered anyway. 
but no, when it's actually like when we actually get the role of a main character, a main character that actually matters to the plot, <laughs> then it's a problem. Especially yeah. if it's like a romantic role, because I actually talk about this a lot. People get really mad if a character gets who is like black or brown gets made into the love tr- interest. Especially in fandoms, like fandoms are really really bad with that. Yeah, the um, like, uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, psh. Yeah. Star Wars fans don't know what they want. <laughs> we don't argue. I don't argue with them anymore because it's like their opinions change like the wind. Because <laughs> you know, like about ten years later, somebody will probably be like, "Actually, I don't think it was that bad." Like, yeah. so like I don't know. Like, they're a little interesting, but uh. I have been engaging in combat with the Invincible fandom for quite some time. Ah, uh, because of Amber. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And with the Star Wars thing I was talking about, I was referencing just for people listening to the, like, John Boyega. Um, and it seemed like they were kind of setting up maybe a romance kind of with him and then Ray, Daisy Ridley. Um, and that didn't, you know, come to fruition. And then John Boyega has voiced his frustration numerous times about his problems with Disney and everything like that. It's funny. They completely screwed him over. Yeah. It's funny how, like, when an actor kind of comes out and talks about, specifically talks about maybe the racism that he faced with the company, like, you know, like John Boyega with Disney Star Wars, um, or Ray Fisher with Warner Brothers. Um, that's met with such harsh criticism, but then if an actor comes out and talks about, like, you know, this company discriminated against me because I'm a conservative or because of my political ideology, you know, they, you know what I mean? They they accept like, that. Uh, what, what's it, Gina Carano? Yeah. Uh, you know. Like, girl, all you had to do was be quiet. You ruined your own check, but apparently that makes them martyrs. Yeah. Um, so that... I know, like, I, I actually kept up with so many instances of black actors being just completely racially abused by these writers, like... You know, Rachel True on the set of The Craft, she came forward. Um, Kat Graham from the set of Vampire Diaries came forward. Um, you'll always have these different... Uh, Tati Gabriel from Sabrina, from the Sabrina series. Like, so many black actors, after, like, the series is over, they come forward and they have, like, these straight-up horror stories. And it's like, nobody ever wants to address it, but it's like, it, it was always there. Because it's like... Not only were these people facing off against racist fans, but they're facing off against racist writers, racist producers. Because um, I believe it was uh, Anna Diop who plays Starfire in Titans. And regardless of how you feel about Titans, it doesn't really warrant the treatment she's been getting. Mm-hmm. Because even um, one of the men in charge of the series, all she did was kindly ask him about the lighting. Because as you know, with a lot of films and TV shows, lighting doesn't always accommodate darker skin tones mm. um so she had asked him about that and he just straight up said that oh well you know you're not really the priority <laughs> the other classmates are so basically saying like oh i don't care i'm not gonna do it because yeah. you're not as important as everybody else yeah a lot of yeah and it's not even just for black people because i know there was a situation with like uh, in harry potter with the actress who played cho chang i think was her name she faced a yeah. lot of racist attacks like when she was a love interest of harry potter in the films and everything mm-hmm. um so it, it, it happens a lot yeah and you will have these people who come out and talk about it about like you mentioned the actress from the craft um who you know she doesn't even get invited to when the the whole yeah. like conventions and stuff she doesn't even get invited into a lot of those things um and i it, that reminded me because like like I know um, 
C2E2 is coming up, and C2E2 is like a convention at, in Chicago. It's coming up, and they're going to have the cast of Boy Meets World there. And when I was looking at the cast, I didn't see uh, the black member from the cast. Yeah, I didn't see her, That a part of it. So I don't know, maybe, and I don't want to assume they, they leave her out. Maybe she's got some other prior engagement, maybe, um, that she's maybe doing. But that was just kind of weird that I didn't see her a part of that. So um, maybe it's the case where she's... Yeah. Someone actually brought this up from because you know, like the the cast of Stranger Things. Somebody was basically saying, like, have you ever noticed when you look at like the Instagrams and the Twitters of shows, the black castmate always has less followers than everybody else, even though they're also a main character. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, and then yeah, I know that he spoke about that too. Uh, Caleb um, McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. He spoke about that. Uh, spoke about his experience there, uh, being a part of Stranger Things. Uh, I saw so many people basically telling him that he should just be thankful. <laughs> uh, like, like, oh, just be thankful. Like, I hate that so much. Like, oh, just be thankful they're even including you at all. Like, no, I'm not gonna be thankful for people doing the bare minimum. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I wonder if you know when he gets old enough, uh, you know, maybe he'll talk more about that. Maybe about his experience with yeah. Stranger Things. I wonder if he'll talk more about that. Um, yeah. Um, so this was wonderful. I'm glad uh, I was able to speak to you. Um, See, thanks for having me. I know I can be like, but you know. <laughs> Oh, no, you were perfect. That was awesome. It's always great when somebody really has a lot of good uh, long answers. Makes my job a lot easier for sure. Um, you want to let people know uh, where they can find you, your information again, um, pimp your stuff there. Yes, um, yeah, I'm the Mighty Z. Well, the Mighty Z Zero on uh, TikTok and Instagram, and uh, my Twitter is the Mighty Z Two. Mm, nice, and I'll make sure to put your links in the description below. Uh,